You're listening to episode 26 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. This episode's name is already causing some chatter, which actually makes me a little bit more pumped to know that you guys are tuning in to listen. Before I introduce you to this week's guest, life coach Jake Woodard, I wanted to bring a little awareness to you guys. I didn't realize that this was something that wasn't already known by the listeners, but when I thought about it and it was brought to my attention, I then realized it's something I've never actually verbalized. Sometimes I know the guests before they come on the podcast. Other times I see someone on Instagram or Facebook. I like what they do. I want to learn more about them and I invite them to have a conversation with me. For those people that I don't know, when we record our conversation, this is truly our first time speaking to one another. I wanted to bring this to light because I love the truth curiosity, and connection that these conversations between two strangers bring. To me, it's a reminder that we are all more alike to one another than we believe. So try and find connections with a stranger. Learn more about them. Ask more questions. Find out what lights them up. Okay, before I get all up in my feelings way too early in this episode, let's move on to the review of the week. Coming in hot from patgirl51, and the review reads, I love the variety of episodes. Your voice is easy to listen to, and the episodes are relatable. Great job. Well, thanks for taking the time to leave such a kind and honest review, patgirl51. Don't forget that if you leave a review anytime during the month of February, you are automatically entered to win a copy of my book, Mind Love, Bite-Sized Thought Nuggets to Fuel Your Life. All you have to do is leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts between now and February 28th to be automatically entered to win a copy. If you leave a review on Podbean or Stitcher, Google Play Music or similar, take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at hello at laurensmithbiz.com. You can also message it to me on Instagram at mindbizlife. All right. Are you ready to meet Jake? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. I am really excited for this week's guest. I think I say that every week, but it's always true. This week's guest is Jake Woodard. Jake discovered his intuitive gifts through deep spiritual and physical pain he endured early on in life. He uses his powerful life experiences as a way to teach others how to eliminate suffering. He is an author, transformational life coach, and speaker. He integrates the mind, body, and spirit to help others remove blocks and gain a greater sense of clarity in life. He believes that with an open heart and quiet mind, all things are possible. Jake, welcome to the show. It is so great to have you join me. Thank you, Lauren. I am honored to be here. It's truly a blessing. And thank you for the listeners tuning in as well. I really appreciate you being here. They're the best, honestly. Well, Jake, I have to say, I have followed you on Instagram for a hot minute. And the reason I reached out to you was because you're real, you're raw, and you've seemingly been through some shit that has required you to heal at a deep death and grow to new heights. So before we really dive into all these questions that I have for you, will you share a little bit more of your journey and what drove you to becoming a life coach? <laughs> I love that question. You know, 
honestly, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you again for having me here. Cause I always remind myself to just be humble. Mm. And I think I, I grew this humble mindset coming from a really small farm town in upstate New York called Greenwich, which most people in the world have probably never heard of, but I grew up in the small farm town and I grew up, you know, throwing hay bales and pounding nails, working construction with my father, mowing lawns, painting houses. And I always just had like just tons and tons of energy. And because of this, my mother <laughs> constantly threatened to send me away to military school, which was the misbehaved school for boys. And he's like constantly threatened because I was always breaking stuff, like oh. constantly, every single day, breaking something, you know, ripping something apart. And I don't know, I was just very, very destructive as a, as a young boy. And I believe it was just because I had just this abundance of energy, which yeah. I, now I'm super grateful for because I've learned how to channel it, right? And, you know, at a young age, around probably about six years old, I discovered something called Twinkies. <laughs> and I became severely addicted to sugar. Mm. And because of this, you know, a lot of bullying happened in my life from a lot of people in school. You know, they, they called me fatty. They called me five by five, five foot tall, five foot wide and chunk and all these different names. And I, I, I lowered my my self-esteem. And I began developing this deep insecurity of who I was because I was the people to project their injuries onto me because, you know, obviously when you judge someone else, you're really just judging yourself. So true. And, you know, I'm sure everyone, you know, growing up goes through something. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have too as well, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, that was kind of the introduction to my pain when I was about, 12 years old, I experienced something with my father. You know, we always had like a pretty toxic relationship. He was very physically and emotionally abusive. And we were riding in the truck on the way to a job. And I was like joking around with him and I punched him in his arm and gave him like a Charlie horse. And he reached over and he's like, so you want to punch, huh? And he punched me square in my nose and blood was just dripping down my face. And I'm just like crying hysterically, like thinking to myself, like, why? Why would a man, especially my father, do this to me, right? Right. And I just right started repressing all these emotions. And about a year later, my older sister, Jocelyn, who was like my best friend at the time, I was obsessed with her. I just thought she was so cool. And for any of your listeners that have an older sibling, maybe they can relate to feeling like the connection with your older sibling, how you really connect deeply with your older sibling. They're like your idol. Yeah. And that's how Jocelyn was for me. So she was four years older than me and she had this group of like really awesome friends. And I also thought they're really hot. So I wanted to be around <laughs> them all the time. <laughs> and, you know, a little boy with hormones, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm breaking in the bathroom and I'm like, I'm going to pour ice cold water. I got this big bucket of ice cold water and I'm going to pour it on Jazza while she's in the shower. It's the middle of summer. It's like 90 degrees out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get her while she's in the shower. And so I couldn't get the door open. I'm fidgeting with the door. And if you ever try to break into a door, sometimes like, you know, like challenging. Right. And so I'm like, screw it. And I, I kicked the door open and I'm running it with the water. And I look around the floor and my older sister, Jocelyn's laying on the floor with a needle hanging out of her arm. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. So, so I just started screaming and crying. I'm like yelling to my mom. I'm like, mom, mom. I'm like, what happened? Why is Jocelyn laying on the floor? Why is she passed out right now? And at that point, she had legally overdosed on heroin. 
Mm. And we had got her to the hospital and revived her, but Jocelyn went down a very deep, dark path. And about a year later, her and I were fighting in the kitchen. And this wasn't like your typical brother-sister fight. Jocelyn was high on crack cocaine and she pulled out a butcher's knife and she said, I'm going to kill you with this. Holy. So I ran in my bedroom and I locked the door and I'm, I'm laying on the ground. I'm screaming, I'm crying and I'm punching the ground. I'm so upset. My throat's closing. My world is turning black. And in the corner of my room, I kept this 20 gauge shotgun that I kept there as protection for myself. Cause I never knew like what drug dealers were going to show up at the house that would come up from looking for my sister. And they would want to, you know, come up there collecting money, collecting my sister, whatever it was that she owed them because she owed a lot of people, a lot of money and different things. So I was really scared and I kept this gun there for my own protection. But in that moment, I thought to myself, what would it be like if I just ended all this now? Mm. What would it be like if I just took that shotgun and turned it on myself and, and ended my life right now? Wow. And so I sat with that emotion for a while and I thought about it and I really thought about it a lot. And I kept crying, I kept wailing and I'm screaming and all of a sudden, I heard this whisper come into my ear. And the whisper was like, you're not going anywhere right now because I need you right now. Yeah. I need you to stay here with me because this world needs you. <sighs> Shit. My heart strings like. <sighs> and I felt How? this light inside me start expanding. And I started feeling the essence of love come into my life. And fast forward eight years of suffering of my own life of alcoholism, blacking out over 500 times, getting wasted in barrooms, getting thrown out of barrooms, getting arrested for fist fighting, all kinds of fist fights, all kinds of crazy toxic relationships. And you know, I overcame obesity. I was 80 pounds heavier than I am right now. Toxic relationship with my dad that I've actually been able to heal at this point. And you know, I came into this thing called personal development around... 23 years old. And I just became obsessed. I'm talking obsessed, like 10 to 12 hours a day, reading, studying, learning, working with mentors, working with shamans, working with gurus, like going to every single thing that I could, that I thought I would learn something. And so I basically spent five years doing that. And, you know, in a few years into it, I felt good. I felt really healed. And I was like, well, shit, I want to help someone. Else. Like it's time. Like you just know when you're ready and I'm like, there's got to be other people in the world that have struggled with this. Right. Let me help someone. And that's what led me into life coaching. Yeah. Just let me help someone. And how pure is that? To just simply want to help someone else. I love that. Oh my gosh. What a journey, Jake. Like I'm, I'm a little speechless right now. I'm not going to lie. And that's a little hard for someone to make me speechless. But wow. Wow. So releasing and healing, I think just go hand in hand. And I feel that you, like you couldn't be in this place in life without both of those. So how have you really released pain and do you have any tools or tips that you've used to maybe share that can help others? You know, that's such a great question. And I love the question because it's practical, right? It's like, well, what can someone else do that's going through something? And I think the first thing that I always like to tell people is you first have to identify what you want to release from your life, because if you're unconscious to it, how can you possibly know? Right. Mm. And you know, if you're stuck, if you're struggling, get someone to help you, 
you know, get, get a coach, get a mentor, get some feedback and get someone that can help you really dig in, get someone that's, that's in alignment with your values too. Like, don't just hire someone just to hire someone, like bring someone into your life that can truly give you value that practices what they preach, that lives what they talk about and align with them. So that's one great way is truly working with somebody that can become a mirror, which is exactly like what I do is I help people. I become the mirror, right? So they can see clearly and identify their own blocks and really remove the blockages. Yeah. You know, and another thing too, that I really found a lot of healing in, and I, I, I tell this story to, I basically, I was in a relationship with a woman I was living in Texas and I, I just felt in my, it wasn't right. And there was, it was on, on paper, it looked like a good relationship but I basically felt in my heart it wasn't right. So I, I ended the relationship and I drove through the night, 24 hours straight, packed up my car and drove to California, moved into the mountains for six months. And I spent every single day for basically six months straight going into the mountains with no phone and nothing with just a book bag and water in the middle of the desert too. So like it was basically like mountain desert, like terrain. And it was like 90, 95 degrees out. And I would just walk, talk, wow. cry walk, talk, cry. And I, and so I did this purging process and I would always repeat the mantra to myself. I give myself permission to feel my feelings. Mm. I give myself permission to feel my feelings. And I would just keep saying it until like the emotion would come up. And then I would say out loud, I would say, I now release for me that isn't free. I now release all from me that isn't free. And I just kept screaming these things out into the mountains. And I just was just literally like, purging like these demons like if, if, you, if you're looking at it like a painting you would have seen me standing there like trying to reclaim my light my power my strength and these like these dark entities leaving my body yeah wow wow so do you think that it's like really a process of letting go or is it really just becoming more aware and gaining acceptance and moving forward i think it's about remembering who you are Mm. You know, if you think about yourself like a beautiful little innocent child before you get programmed by society, by your teachers, parents, whoever, and you're just this little being of light, you're present in the moment. Watch a child. Like seriously, the next time your listeners get a chance, study that child. Like they're they're so perfect. You don't look at a child and judge it. You look, you know, if you're looking at it, you watch it. You watch how present and playful and joyful it is. And, and you really look at their skin tone. Like, look at their skin. They, they're so bright with light. You can literally see the light, the aura through them. And, you know, it's so beautiful. So I think that what happens is we, we build these identities of ourselves. And, you know, for example, like I'm a banker, right? And you walk around like all, you know, or I'm a police officer and like, that's your identity or I'm a, I'm a business coach or like whatever it is you, right. you call yourself. And we build these identities. And sometimes it's even like, well, I'm a father and, or I'm a mother. And like, all these are just their labels or identities. It's not who you are, right? Yeah. So it, it really comes down to the question of who am I? And that's like one of the first questions I always ask my clients. In fact, before I got on this call, one of my clients sent me a two-page doc, like a two-page Word doc on who he is, like mm. really drilled them with this question. I'm like, I want to know who you are. That's a great, great exercise to really, that takes a lot of mindfulness to, and it takes a lot of vulnerability to get real with yourself too of who am I? I know for me, something that I do is, what I had to acknowledge about myself was writing down like 
I am most curious when I am most playful when like really channeling the I am mantra because it helped me visualize and see the person that I really am. And I was probably ignoring for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. Those labels, man, they're tricky. Would you, would you say it's because you're almost like afraid of who your own power? For sure. For sure. I think that was like a lot of it. Well, and I had a lot of struggles with just my worth and like, you know, I, I repeated, um, the word, like the mantra, I am worthy for almost an entire year. Um, Mm. until I really began to believe myself that I was worthy of success, that I was worthy of love, you know, that I was just worthy of all of these things because there were, of course, you know, like relationships that didn't make me feel worthy. There were jobs. And then I just realized these people may have just been bringing that feeling out in me because I wasn't feeling worthy with myself. So then it just became this like whole journey of just really trying to love myself. And I think self-compassion is still something that I'm working on every single day and just really trying to take care of myself and remembering who I am and staying true to myself, learning Mm. to say no was really big for me in the last year. Um, saying no to things that didn't fuel me, didn't drive me, didn't weren't aligning with my purpose. Um, I had to reclaim that power in a sense. Why would you say they feel worthy in the first place? You, You know, that's a really great question. Um, I, for me, I had, well, this is where I can really bring it back to the, I, I had a toxic, awful high school boyfriend, um, who's now in prison. He's probably like on his fifth time being in prison. I think he's in there for 11 years, but he, at one point I was maybe 15 years old, um, like slammed me up against a wall and I was a cheerleader. So I had more muscle than anything. Right. So, and I was a competition cheerleader. So, even now I'm thinner than what I was in high school, but I just don't have as much muscle as I did in high school. And Mm. I remember him literally holding me up against the wall and screaming it in my face that if I ever hit 150 pounds, he would leave me. And I don't know why, but like in my mentality, then that number then like defined me, you know? So there was just numerous times that he stripped away my worth. Um, before I even realized that I was worthy of someone better or that that's not the way I was supposed to be treated. You know, people could tell me all day long, but I didn't believe it in that moment. Would you say that you've forgiven him? Yeah, I have, I have forgiven him. I really have. That has taken me a long time, a long Mm -hmm. time to do it. Did you forgive yourself? I have forgiven myself. That was probably even harder. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the one we always skip, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I know that you know, like for me, fulfillment's huge. Um, fulfillment is something that I think a lot of us have struggled with, and when we don't have it, we're lost. And when we do have it, it's almost like we're this unstoppable force that's full of light and life. So, like, what do you think blocks most people from fulfillment and and achieving that? Fear. Fear. One word, fear. They're afraid. How do we overcome that fear? By leaning into it. Mm. By embracing what we're uncomfortable with. And I know it sounds like maybe a little simple, but I'm telling you that, like, I think that we get routined in life. And we get programmed to just kind of, 
you know, go to school, go to college, get a job, retire at 60. But then like all of a sudden people start waking up and they're like, I'm miserable. I'm not fulfilled in life. Well, yeah, because what have you done the last 10 years of your life? Right. You know, so I think, I think that we get this routine of mundane lifestyle. And I believe that that is a slow death in itself because we're so programmed to be comforted and comfortable all the time that we're never really doing anything to stretch. We're never really doing anything to grow as an individual. And we're, and also too, honestly, Lauren, we're, we're in such a busy world. Our society is rewarded on forward progress in life. And we're always about the doing, but very few about the being. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why we're called human beings and not human doings. So I think that a lot of people are so caught up in their busyness that they never take time to cultivate this greater self-awareness with their own soul. And so they go through life and they're now they just pile on all these fears, all these bills and these stories of not being worthy or whatever it is they, that they you accumulate throughout the years. And then they get to the point and their, their health is failing. The relationship is failing. They're broke or whatever it is. And they just say like, I'm so unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. And I think that unfulfillment comes when we're not in alignment our soul's calling, our soul's purpose or purposes. And that happens when we ignore our gifts. Mm. Yeah. Well, how do you think that people can like really tap back into those gifts? Because I think sometimes we have the power to kind of put a blanket over them or not think that we're good enough. But I've had someone recently tell me that I was a light worker and she was like, you sat here and you just told me that you said these spirituals and you didn't lump yourself into that group. And she's like, why is that? And I was like, huh, I guess I didn't acknowledge it as one of my gifts. So why do you think that is that people just dismiss our gifts? So the answer to the first part of your question, you said people like tap back into that. And my response would be curiosity, mm. getting really curious about like what you love. And I think that so many people, they're just like, they're just kind of conditioned to go make money. But like, does money bring your soul fulfillment? I don't believe it does. You know, uh, I've, I've made quite a quite large amount of money in my life and, and, and it never brought me any soul fulfillment. And what has brought me fulfillment is truly helping other people because you could hand me a million dollars or you could tell me I just saved someone's life and I would rather take the life saving. Like when I get a message from somebody that literally tells me that I was going to commit suicide. So I saw one of your posts, like that message to me is worth more than any amount of money. You to know that I, that I transformed her life, you know? Yeah. So like, I think that we're programmed, right? We're programmed to, to go for money and like that. We're just, we're not thriving. We're just surviving and we're just going through the, the motions of life. So I think it starts with getting curious. Like, and I'll ask, you know, your listeners a question right now. Like, what would you do if money were of no importance? Like, what would you really be doing with all your time? And the second question I'll ask you is what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm. Two great questions. All comes back to that fear then, huh? Yeah, that's, that's the base of every human emotion, fear and love. And, yeah. and every moment you're choosing either fear or love, and that's what you're operating from. And that's why when I feel myself getting fearful or anxious, whatever, I just root myself back into love. Yeah. 
Do you do like any meditation or anything of, of that nature? I'm meditating right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I think that meditation is a state of mindfulness. Really a lot is. of people think that you got to like go be a monk in the mountains to meditate. Yeah. And sure, that's all great, but you can't speed up enlightenment. Uh, that's just the truth. You know, mm-hmm. you, you cannot speed up enlightenment. It's, it comes when it comes and you do it when you're supposed to do it. And then that's kind of your soul's design. It's your, your preordained uh, blueprint, if you will, that you get before you even incarnate into this physical body. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so true. So true. I love that. So, I mean, yeah, I, do I meditate in the sense of, do I sit down for 20 minutes a day, get quiet and go within? Absolutely. I try to do that more often than not. And I, I think, even beyond meditation, it's cultivating awareness, right? And meditation to me is like truly at practice when you are cut off by a driver in front of you, right? That's to me is a state of meditation. And, you know, I could, I could tell a story that I think your listeners resonate with if you want me to. Yes, go for it. So this one's more about like cultivating awareness of self and like, you know, your anger. And there's this story of this guy that studied Aikido, which is an art, an martial art. And that form of Aikido is really not about physicality. It's actually about the mindfulness practice. And he was a real master of Aikido, but he always kind of had in the back of his mind that one day he would be like a superhero in society. And he would, you know, save, save somebody from the bad guys or whatever. And he was the type of guy that literally would like avoid alleyways and stuff like that. Cause he never really wanted to get in a fight, but the dark part of him kind of always kind of did because he knew that he could really dismantle somebody with all of his 20 years of training in Aikido. Cause it's really an intense practice. Eight hours a day, he was practicing. Mm. So he gets on this, this subway and he gets on this car in this rickety old car and he steps on there and he's kind of standing there holding the handle. And all of a sudden, this big, large, like six foot four drunken man comes on the, the subway and he's yelling and screaming. He like pushed a, a pregnant woman and all of a sudden he kind of like perks up his chest. He's like, here's my moment. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismantle this guy. So he's staring right at him to try to catch his attention. And the guy looks at him, the drunk guy looks at him. He goes, what are you looking at, you foreigner? And so what he did is he pursed his lips and he blew him a kiss. Mm. And all of a sudden, the big drunk man was like, oh my God, I'm going to kick your ass. And he starts charging at this guy. Yeah. And he's getting ready. He's getting in position to like really take him out. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's this loud scream that said, Hey, and they both stopped in their tracks and they looked down and they see this little old Japanese man. And he looks up the big man with his eyes twinkling and he goes, what you been drinking? And the guy looks down. I'm in utter disgust. He goes, who are you to ask me what I've been drinking? He goes, I've been drinking sake. And the little old man goes, Saki, I love sake. He goes, you know, me and my wife, we used to sit out and watch the sunset and drink our sake warm and look at our Priscilla trees. Do you like Priscilla trees? And all of a sudden, the big drunk guy starts to soften a little bit. He's like, yeah, I do like Priscilla trees. Wow. 
And the guy goes, the little man goes, and I bet you got a lovely wife too, don't you? And the big drunk guy goes, I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost my job. I don't got no car and I don't got no money. And the little old man said, why don't you sit down and talk with me about that? And the Aikido master watched Aikido being tested in truest form. And he got off the subway and the big drunk guy was laying his head in the little old man's lap as the little old man patted his head as he cried and sobbed in his lap. And I think that sometimes in life, we forget to not take things so seriously and to remind ourselves of that little, hey. Hmm. I love that. That is amazing. I thought, like, while you're saying that, I kind of had, like, the goosebumps overcome my body because how how just amazing to just take a step back and just find the connection with someone like in Lakesh, right? Like I am another you. So to just take that time to connect with someone's soul is so much deeper. So, wow. First of all, thank you for sharing that story because I love that. And now I, you know, I'm going to go nerd out on that later after we're done our call. (laughs) You sparked my curiosity. So I'm like, and writing it down. But because, um, because of this, I think this is the perfect time that leads me into the next post of, you know, connecting with someone and their soul. Before we got on this call, I asked you if it was okay that we bring this up and, and you agreed. So I want to talk about a post that you shared on Instagram the other day and a forewarning for anyone who might be listening with little kids around, maybe either pause this and come back later or throw in your headphones um, because it might spark up something that aren't for their little ears just yet. But the other day you had posted, um, the post was called where to penetrate a woman. And I have thought about this post more times than I can count in the past week because one, wow, two, wow, three, Wow. So um, it definitely definitely was written from a man's perspective, but I resonated with this in the reverse role as well. So for our, our listeners, the post said, we as men need to become better with the way we view women. Instead of only focusing on penetrating her vagina, let's focus on penetrating her heart, her soul. She wants to be felt. She wants to be heard. She wants to be seen. She wants to feel safe. So I think that women can also put this lustful desire towards men first, which really, regardless of gender, I think those are subconscious choices that we have. They really have the ability to create disaster. So I'm curious to what led you to this insight and when did you begin to shift your perception of women? Well, so two-part question. Yeah. <laughs> what, what led me to the insight, I was just in a meditation. And oftentimes when, I, when I'm in a state of meditation, I'll have these messages kind of come through from spirit. And, you know, whether it's a message for a random person or my own self or for my followers, whatever. And I was just thinking about, you know, how we as humans, we get lost in the physical world and we spend so much time manifesting physical things, you know, money, cars, house things that we can see, things that we can taste and touch. And I've learned through my own life, my own experiences, that if you're only to build a physical connection in life, because you're in relationship with everything, you know, you're in relationship with your job, you're in relationship with your car, you're in relationship with a tree. Everything is relationship. You have a relationship to everything. 
So if you can't penetrate into the depth of that thing that you're in relationship with, and for example, in this, in this instance, we'll talk about women and, you know, penetrating a woman beyond the sexual desire, beyond the lustful desire, penetrating her heart, penetrating her soul. And I believe when you do this, you build true, true intimacy. Cause I, I always say that intimacy stands for into me, I see. Mm-hmm. And we, we resonate with other people's souls. You know, we think that we want to build connection and sure you can get attracted to someone's physical body. Not, I'm not disregarding that, but the physical body is, is decaying flesh. And that's, that's the real truth. The body's dying and, but the soul is eternal. So if you can connect with someone's soul, it's so much more beyond anything you could ever experience in the physical realm. Mm. And to your second part of the question, <laughs> when did I start discovering this? I would say a few years ago when I really got curious about relationships and it took me a while, honestly, like, because like, like I started watching pornography at 11 years old. Like, do you know how much reprogramming I had to do of like how I viewed women and yeah. sexuality? Right. I mean, so my, my psyche was totally distraught and which, you know, allowed me to see the contrast in life, the yin to the yang, the black to the white, the hot to the cold, whatever. And so my contrast was that. And then I was like, well, I've only ever connected women at a physical level. What else is in there or what else is in here talking about myself? And I started to see the depths. I was like, I want to, I want to go deep with someone. And I'm like, I want to connect at an emotional, spiritual, intellectual level. And, you know, the relationships started getting so much better. Like, I'm not even talking about just like, you know, intimate partnerships. I'm talking about like all relationships with all humans, the depth that we would have, like even in this conversation alone, you know, it's, it's in relationship and, yeah. and it's so beautiful. So that's what I've, I've learned to do is look beyond the physical body, right? Look beyond it. What, what else is, what else is out there or in here? And everything is just a reflection of you anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, do you, I feel like when you said earlier that when you left Texas, is that like when you really, I feel like that was probably like when you first really start to shift it then, right? Like you were aware that that wasn't the relationship that you want it to be in. Do you think that was a big changing moment? Yeah. So I would absolutely say like what attracted me in that relationship in the first place years ago, because like I said, a few years back was the physical and I I always wanted more than that. But I, because I had built only the physical connection, it was really hard to like layer on top of like, you know, a spiritual and emotional intellectual connection. Like after I'd only ever thought about the physical. So I feel like, I, I feel like it's almost doing it backwards. Honestly, I, I've learned that it's, it's almost like putting the cart before the horse. You know, mm-hmm. if you, if you just build the, the physical connection first and you sleep with the person right away, it's like, there's so much energy <laughs> transfer between sex that like you're carrying a lot of that person's karma as soon as you like, as soon as you like absorb the energy. So like for people that are having random sex, like uh, I know I've been guilty and yeah. I didn't realize it because I was unconscious to it. I was like, oh, this is not a deal. Um, it's 
a huge deal. All right. So like sex with random people energetically, like if you want to keep your, if you want to keep purifying your soul, <laughs> you might want to stop doing that. All yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Purify some other places first. <laughs> I could, I could tell you that a condom doesn't protect you from energy. <laughs> right. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I think that's like super easy. I think a lot of my relationships definitely start with more of like a physical connection, but uh, I recently was just talking to one of my mentors and we were talking about, you know, like people and twin flames and, you know, all these different things. And she made the comment of sometimes people aren't physically attracted to that person. Instead, it's just that instant connection with their soul. And then the physical attraction then builds. And mm. I really had to think about that. Um you know, I just like really had to sit down with that and and really think about that. And then it also made me think back like, you know, biblically, hmm, that kind of makes sense as to why it was wait for marriage, you know, to really understand the person before. I like, I like that you say sharing that you share their energy. Yeah. And I would even go beyond that and say, wait for soul. (laughs) Yeah. Wait for soul. Yeah. Cause marriage, I mean, you could just go get married tomorrow. (laughs) That wouldn't be anything, but yeah. That's just a label, right? When you have a soul connection, it's just like, that's beautiful. That's power. Yes. And it's felt and it's seen like it radiates. You, you can't even make it up. You can't force it. It's, it's pure. It's true. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could do a whole podcast on energy. I've been, I've been into energy healing for quite a while. So (laughs) yeah. Oh my gosh. Energy healing keeps coming up for me. I feel feel like there's a reason behind that. So, oh man, I love it. I love it. So, um, can you, uh, last question, I guess, um, if you had one piece of advice to leave our audience today, what would that be? You are worthy. Mm. You are loved. You are enough. Those are my three favorite. <laughs> oh, those are powerful words. I really hope. I think that- we forget that. You know, yeah. I think that we forget that our our conditioning programs us to believe that we're not worthy, we're not enough, we're not loved. Mm-hmm. And once you like really go in and really start feeling that vibration penetrate you it just starts radiating outwards. You know, you, mm. you become a beacon of light in this world and you can help others to heal and awaken the more work you do on yourself. So I invite you to work on yourself, to see yourself as whole and complete and allow yourself to feel beautiful. Mm. I love that. I had to like sit on that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. Okay. So I know that this conversation alone is going to spark a lot of people's interest. And um, I think I'm going to take your advice and and call this episode where to penetrate a woman. (laughs) So (laughs) where where can our listeners go to learn more about you and connect with you further? In their heart. First and foremost. You're the best. Close, Close your eyes and feel yourself in your heart. Feel me in your heart. Feel the universe in your heart feel everything start in your heart. And when you can feel that, I mean, you just start attracting the right people in your life. I mean, obviously I have social media. Uh, I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is underscore Jake Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D. My website's jakewoodard.com. I'm on Facebook as well, just Jake Woodard. I have a podcast as well. If you're podcasting, like if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are. Yeah, they better uh, it's be. Called, <laughs> it's called The Awake with Jake Show. I got like 53 awesome episodes on there. So 
Perfect. Yeah, I, I can attest that your podcast is great. I nerd out on thank it you. often. So, well, and thank Lauren, you. I just I want to say, like, you know, you're you're such a gentle soul, and I love your curiosity, and I love the way that you show up in the world, and I think it's so awesome, you know, and I love that women, especially right now, are rising up and they're showing up and they're they're stepping into their fears, and so just keep going. Like what, what you're doing, the work you're doing is amazing. Thank you. Thank you a lot. You just really tugged at my heartstrings. So (laughs) thank you. You know, and you're right. I really think that the universe is calling a lot of people to just, I think a lot of people are waking up Um, Mm. and it's just like calling the different healers to really step into their power to help people through their transitions. So. One thing that one thing that spirit led me to tip was to not be so hard on yourself and be a little gentle with yourself. Mm, I love that. Mm. So true. So <laughs> true. Okay. Well, thank you again, Jake, not only for joining me today, but for helping others step into their power daily. You, my friend, are a change maker and a world shifter, and you're shifting the lives of many. And I can truly attest that mine is included. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast as well. Thank you. Whew. Talk about an epic conversation. How in tune is Jake? Definitely be sure to check out his podcast and follow him on Instagram. I have linked his website and social channels on mindbizlife.com. If you're listening to this episode on launch day, then tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I have this annual tradition of watching Sleepless in Seattle but I will also be picking up one of my best friends from the airport. I haven't had a Valentine's Day I've been so excited for in a really long time. I am sending you all the love and vibes and wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. I'll see you back here next week. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.